welcome. You've entered the realm of 1111 Talk Radio. Your host is Simran Singh. It's time to discover your own language with the universe. Learn to empower yourself, broaden your mind, open your heart, and discover who you are. Now, here's your host, Simran Singh. Welcome. I'm thrilled to have you here. We're going to have a great show tonight and get really deep into a wonderful subject. But before we get into that, I just want to thank one of our sponsors, and that is Guy MTV. At any time, you can come to my page and click. There is a 10-day free trial for a wonderful, wonderful way to have inspirational television and movies and feed your minds with things that we really need to take into our minds and allow our journeys to continue in a very positive direction. Sometimes what we see on regular television is not feeding us in the way that we need to be fed. So definitely um, partake in that and let yourself enjoy the beautiful, beautiful way that they are releasing so many wonderful films and television. Also, it is the fall season, and I want you to think about really knowing your rhythm and what those natural rhythms of the universe are asking you to do right now Pay attention because 2012 is about letting go. All habits, patterns, behaviors, doubts, beliefs, relationships, and experiences that no longer serve your soul. It is the fall of the year, and this season shows us how to let go of the old, how to let it really release and easily release and fall away if we let it. It shows us red for trust, oranges for healing, and gold for personal power. It's reflecting the coming harvest and that it is time to venture south, into your south, the grounding of your own core. Fall into who you really are as you let all else fall away, and let the change of the seasons be a season of change for you. It will all be okay, I promise, and when you doubt, just imagine me standing behind you, my back against yours, I've got you, and you can do everything that you have in your soul's desire. This is all about what humanity has been wanting. All of humanity shares a common destiny, that of self-refinement, self-mastery, and unity consciousness. Human beings are designed to complete the task that the first man and woman began, which is to reach godliness and peace within and without. The sacred traditions and practices of the world offer us many paths. And my guest tonight, Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, she understands that. She's a woman of Jewish ancestry, and she believes that all beings are made in God's image. And what does that mean to each one of us? Well, her new book, which is Sanctuary of the Divine Presence, springs from a single momentary vision that she had. And this is a new map of correspondences between the Kabbalah's Tree of Life and other certain Hebrew Bible texts. This is referred to as something that really takes the whole process, allowing you to understand initiation and illumination. Uh, Dr. Zahara has um, many books that she has published. She is an award-winning radio broadcaster, social justice and environmental activist, and professional speaker. She founded the Ruscom Mansion Community Health Center in Baltimore in 1984 and is also the author of Kabbalistic Teachings of the Female Prophets. And I want to tonight talk about her new book, which is Sanctuary of the Divine Presence. So welcome, Dr. Zahara, to 1111 Talk Radio. Thank you, Simran. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it's wonderful to have you. And what I was reading was actually from your book. And you talk about this being a process and a time for individual initiation and revelation for that godliness to be found. And we definitely do seem to be on a quickened process of of people needing to wake up, some people wanting to wake up, some people fighting waking up. Um, talk a little bit about how this process came to you and how it is to support people that want to take this path. Well, firstly, what you're saying is absolutely true, uh, planet-wide, universe-wide. You know, I, I really do believe what you read from the opening of my book about all of us coming to unity consciousness, that's ultimately the path that all of humanity is on. And however long it takes for us to get there, that will be the outcome of our destiny. And this book, Sanctuary of the Divine Presence, happened as a result, as you rightly point out, of a momentary revelation I had in my sukkah, which is our holiday coming up next, Sukkot, which commemorates the wandering Israelites during their Exodus journey. And for eight days, you're inside a temporary booth, which your listeners may see sometimes in neighborhoods where there are Jewish um, residents. They'll see these outside makeshift, almost look like huts. And this is to show us that the presence of divinity was with the Hebrews 
no matter where they were, regardless of their situation. So, too, in our lives today. So my book was a um, a vision that I had that showed me, as a result of a question I was asking, how did the Hebrews actually come to divine illumination? You know, I believe that all sacred societies, all first peoples, all of the mystic paths of the world ultimately teach the human how to move towards self-refinement and, as you mentioned, self-mastery. And the Hebrews were given this formula as well in their tabernacle tradition. And that's the tabernacle talked about in the Hebrew Bible that Moses was told to build and that God said, basically, that all of us are to build so that his presence can be within us. So my book is an examination of the phenomenology of how did the Hebrews actually reside with the presence of God during this journey as an instruction guide for each person. Because what I believe, and as you know and you teach, as above, so below, as within, so without. So if there was an external tabernacle tradition that the Hebrews carried around and set up and took down all of those 40 years of their journey, and then it was in Shiloh, and then ultimately moved to Jerusalem with King David, and then finally the ark that was in the center of this instrumental ritual sanctuary was placed in the first temple built by King Solomon. But during that 400-plus years, at first it started in the Exodus, and then they had the ark tradition elsewhere, but it's to show us that each one of us is a tabernacle. Each one of us is a divine sanctuary that the Holy Spirit can enter. And, and I got I've interested always, in it because I was curious about prophecy and how one brings the Holy Spirit into their life. Well, and I think it is so evident uh, for someone that really wants to look at it how interconnected everything is. And when you're talking about this um, and, and you go into how the tree of life superimposes over everything and how the body is also illustrated in that and how we are to 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 now rise back up rather than, coming down through that mm-hmm. tree of life, it's, it's really an interesting process of that illumination. And I'd love to get into a little bit about, first, um, what you call this tent of meeting that, uh, that is that sacred dwelling place that we have to build. Well, the tent of meeting, or originally in Hebrew, the Ohel Moed, is really the place that Moses was called to talk with God and that God would call Moses to come into his tent originally, and there he would be given instruction. Later on, you discover that his protege and prophet Joshua became his attendant and was schooled in the Hermetic Mysteries. So basically, what we're being told in the story of the tabernacle tradition is how each one of us, from our feet to our head, are representing different qualities of the Creator. The purpose in the Hebrew Bible and the purpose of Judaism, I believe, and the way I've been taught about it is, is a guidebook for how we become godlike. If it's said we're made in the image of the Creator, that's not just a metaphor. There has to be something scientifically researchable and um, replicable in each one of us if it's universally true. And that's the science of Kabbalah. The science of Kabbalah that the Tree of Life comes from is a science of portions of fields of activity. For instance, in our head, as an example, we have two eyes, and that represents wisdom. And in the tree of life, it represents the Father. It's one of the ten sephirot on the tree. The tree sort of looks like a little Christmas tree with all these balls on it, and it's actually a human body with a head and eyes and ears and arms and torso and legs and generative organs and feet. But so the eyes are chokmah, which means father and wisdom. The ears, as an example in Kabbalah, represent understanding, and bina, the mother, and so on. So you'll find that these ten different aspects within the tabernacle tradition that are reflected from the tree of life are also talking about us, and that these are qualities of the Creator. So as an example, sometimes we're wise. Sometimes we literally can see we do get an instantaneous whole view. We call that wisdom. Sometimes we really do understand. And and you'll hear people say that, oh, I understand you. So what does that mean? It's really a combination of wisdom, our eyes, combined with what we hear with our ears, and then we intuitively bring them together and we find what's true. 
And, and these are, I'm using words, but these words, I'm using simple words of qualities of our nature, but these are actually elements in the tree of life and in the tabernacle. So what I described as our wisdom and our understanding would be the high priest standing in the holies, the holy place, and in the holy of holies. So it, it, I don't want to get too um, technical, but the tent of meeting is made up of these five different aspects that are a progression that we also experience in our lives. We have initiation, that's our prayer, being initiated into the light. We have consecration, where we learn to devote what we do, what we say, what we think, to holiness. We have elevation, where we then elevate that which we come in contact with, whether it's a natural element or a dog or a person or a cloud or a tree. And then finally we have illumination and revelation, where through the higher faculties of higher intuition and wisdom, we make direct contact with our own divinity. And so in the in the book you talk about how the tent of meeting and the tree in life are superimposed on one another and you're talking about the body and this this sacred tree of life as being a pathway and an understanding as we move towards a greater spiritual con- consciousness and that connection to godliness. Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult if nobody nobody's ever seen the tree of life. Let me try to describe it's three parallel paths next to each other. And then in the middle of the middle path, at the very top, is the very top of the tree of life called the crown or keter. And that's like the illumination of the Godhead in all of us, that we all come from the same source. Then when you start coming down these parallel lines, you'll have sets of two on the right and left and then another in the middle. Sets of two on the right and left, so we go from our eyes and ears, then we come down to our arms and hands, and then our torso, and then our legs and our generative organs, and our feet. And these are part of the structure of the tree of life. But if we think about it, for instance, in the tabernacle tradition, the feet sit outside the holy sanctuary. And that's sort of like our life. You know, our feet take us to where we're going, where we stand is holy, and that's really the beginning of how we move in our spirituality, meaning we're going to take ourselves where we need to be whether it's to help somebody or to sit silently or to do something sacred in nature, our feet will get us there. And then Dr. Zahara, let me stop feet. right there and let's take a commercial break, and then we'll continue that part of the conversation. We are talking to Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, and we are speaking about Sanctuary of the Divine Presence. Within this book, you explore the various parts of the Tent of Meeting and the Tabernacle contained within it, as well as the corresponding stage of personal and communal development it represents. There are five different aspects to reaching godliness, just as there are five different fields of activity within the Tent of Meeting. These are initiation, consecration, elevation, illumination, and revelation, or godliness. These five stages of person's growth are an ascending journey from the bottom of the tree of life, our feet, to the top of the tree, our head. You can find out more about Zahara at ZaharaOnline.com. That's Z-O-H-A-R-A Online.com. Or you can also look up her healing center, which is ruscom.org, R-U-S-C-O-M-B-E. In addition to the Sanctuary of Divine Presence, she is the author of Kabbalistic Teachings of the Female Prophets and has another book coming out in 2013, The Future of Human Experience. We'll be right back with Dr. Zahara Hieronymus. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today, www.1111mag.com. 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset. 
Discovering the Heart and Stepping into Conscious Living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M TV dot com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll free at 1 866 472 5795. Again, 1 866 472 5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Connect with me on Facebook or Twitter and receive my daily inspirations. It's just another way that I can give to humanity a lot of what I bring through in my own meditation. So connect with me at 1111 Magazine's fan page or Simran Singh 1111's fan page. Would love to have you. My guest today is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, and she has authored Sanctuary of the Divine Presence. In the book, there is a wonderful pathway uh, following the Hebrew tradition of how to utilize the tree of life and many of the teachings and the tent of meeting and, and all of that to allow yourself your own growth path back to illumination. Creating the conditions for God's presence to illuminate a person is said to be the hallmark of the age we are now midwives to, the age of unity consciousness. Every person alive today is part of this holy plan to become masters of our own natures and agents of God's supreme love. This is from Sanctuary of the Divine Presence, and you can find out more at ZoharaOnline.com so that you can get your own copy and start to go through this uh, this practice as you move uh, instead of down the tree of life, now move up the tree of life. You were talking and helping to describe that tree of life for people and talking about the feet being outside of that. Go ahead and continue with what you were saying, it's, Dr. It's Zahar. not an easy thing to do on radio to describe a pictographic reality. So let me just try to do this very simply and say that the ancient Hebrews' tent of meeting is also a design of the human body. And within the tent of meeting is several different functions. In the outer court is where the priest would bring the sacrifices that the individual would bring for either repentance or a peace offering or a thanksgiving offering or a sin offering or a guilt offering. All of these are really expressions of what do we do when we want to give thanks. We praise the Lord or we praise creation or we praise whatever it is that you're comfortable with praising as the source of all. What do we do when we think we've done something wrong? Well, most of us have a conscience, and we go within, and we hope we can be forgiven if it was intentional, and if it was unintentional and there was harm, we still ask for forgiveness. What do we do when we want to make peace with somebody? Oftentimes, we bring them a gift. We bring them an offering. So all of these things that the ancient Hebrews did in the outer court with the priest were ways that they brought themselves to an awareness of their behavior. So, for instance, if we were to look at our lives as being the tent of meeting, what would our outer court look like? So what did they bring? For instance, they'd bring a bull. Maybe we could interpret that to say we give up our bullishness. They would bring a sheep offering, and that might be to bring up our sheepishness, our inability to stand alone or stand up for something we know is right. So all of these, if we look at them as both literal events that took place as well as lessons, instructions for each of us today, it's telling us that before we can reach the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Tabernacle, where the Ten Commandments were housed, 
and the jar of manna, and some say Aaron's staff, and some say Moses wand. There are lots of things supposedly in the ark, but we do know that the Ten Commandments are in it, and probably at least one original Torah scroll are housed in the ark, which is still hidden today, buried at some point before anybody could find it. And so when we think about our own life, so in the outer court, the ancient Hebrews would bring their offerings to make themselves conscious of their own behavior. Then the priest, after doing the fire offerings, would always ritually wash their hands and feet to purify themselves. So what does that mean? Well, when we think about how we do things in the world, not only do our feet take us there, but our hands execute our will. They execute our desire, and we try to fill them with good intention from our heart. So when we purify our hands, it means to stop and think and purify our intention so that our action is pure. From there, the priest would go into what's called the holies. And this is where, inside the tabernacle tradition, they had the shoe bread, which were 12 loaves of bread that presumably stayed fresh from Sabbath to Sabbath and were replaced just before each Sabbath. And they also had incense, and they had the holy menorah that was kept lit all of the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So if we look at this, what might this say about our lives? Perhaps it's telling us that what we eat is important. That's the, ma- that's the, the bread, the shoe bread, the Sabbath bread that was really representing manna that mm-hmm. fell for the Israelites in the desert from heaven. It tells us that what comes out of our mouth should be pure because it represents creation. Sabbath represents creation. So anytime you see an element connected with the Sabbath or the Sabbath ritual, we're being told that we're holy beings and we have to stop and reflect before we do things and reconnect ourselves to our highest good, reconnect ourselves to the divine source that we all share in common. The menorah is really the light. It's what we see. It's the light of our eyes. It's the light of glory. It's the, it's the sun. It's that which illuminates. And then the incense represents really an elevation of the soul. You know, incense is, um, you know, the soul has five parts in the Hasidic tradition of Judaism, of which I am a student. And this is the neshama. The neshama is that part of the soul that in the Hebrew Bible says God breathed into us. So when we smell something beautiful, it actually elevates the soul, which is why aromatherapy, which I'm sure you've talked about and your listeners know about, literally affects the human body, not just because these are physical elements, but because the soul is elevated through smell, really through all our senses. It's said that all our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth, our ability to touch and be touched, that these are our ambassadors. These are like our ministers of our will. And so it's telling us, as it did in the tabernacle tradition, that they are all holy, that our senses are holy, our bodies are holy. Therefore, what we do, we should try to consecrate and make holy. And then in the tabernacle tradition, after you've gone from the outer court with the animal sacrifices and then the water purification of making your intentions and emotions pure, you then work on refining your senses, meaning you eat good food, you only look at good things, you only listen to good things. So you don't watch violent movies, you turn off the news, you don't take things into your eyes that aren't holy, you don't listen to things and you don't speak things that aren't holy. So this is like the next level of self-refinement. The first is refining our emotions, right? Getting rid of our brutishness, getting rid of our cowardice, getting rid of selfishness, getting rid of anger, or at least having it but not responding in anger. And then we develop and refine our senses, so we're elevating. We're going a little bit step up. And then finally, in the tabernacle tradition, corresponding also to our body, we go into the Holy of Holies, which the high priest goes into once a year, which was just yesterday, in the Jewish calendar of Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, it says that once a year, which really means every day of our life, we have an opportunity to come back to holiness. If we've said something we think was not proper, or we've heard something maybe and then repeated it, which we probably shouldn't have, or we ate something that wasn't good for us, or we watched something or showed something to somebody else maybe we shouldn't have, we say, Gee, Lord, please forgive me, and you try again. So really the tabernacle tradition describes how we slowly come to self-mastery through progressive and deliberate self-refinement. And you write in here, um, 
that we do need to reflect on that as well. But th- there's a point now where we need to reflect the opposite direction. So even like at the end of the day, rather than chronologically going through what our day's experience was, to actually go backwards or to read uh, a, a sacred book to actually go the other direction with it. And you even ask it of this book that once people read it one direction to go back actually the other way. Talk a little bit about that. Well, that's a really interesting phenomenon. You know, the Rosicrucians have for centuries talked about reviewing your day from the most recent backwards to the start of the day. And this review process is really for the soul. I like the way Thomas More and others theologians talk about it is that it's not to accomplish anything. He always talks about memory as being not to accomplish anything, just to do it. Because somehow or other, kind of, it's like um, scrimshaw. It etches events deeper into our bones, and therefore we hold it in a deeper way. This book was written um, based on, you have mentioned this several times, and I'd like to tell our audience a little bit more about it. In, in the Kabbalistic tradition, and it's said in our faith that Adam was the first Kabbalist, because he could name every animal based not on their having been a name, but he looked at their purpose, and from their purpose derived what their name should be, telling us that each of our names is, and our children's name when they're born and we give it to them is really supposed to reflect what that soul was here to do and how to make that soul stronger by giving them a name that enables that. And that's why sometimes people change names, add names. But coming back to the Tree of Life, it's said that since Adam, we've been descending the Tree of Life from Keter, the crown, all the way down, zigzagging from the right to the left like a lightning strike. And like the Hindu show in Kundalini, where it goes up and down the spine, the light travels like a caduceus or an infinity sign, up and down the spine. But Humanity has been coming down from the greatest spiritual height of Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, down to the densest, densest part of molecular reality of the material universe. We are not yet, and this also comports with many other prophecies and traditions worldwide, we are not yet at the bottom of our elevator. So if we think of this as humanity coming down the building of history in an elevator, we're at the next to last floor. We're in what's called the age of Yesod, which is the age of our generation. It's our generative organs. And what that means is it's a time when people figure out how to balance their rational and intuitive, their male and female personhood, how to bring equality to women around the world, how to bring equality between all humans so that we are one humanity, not a man and not a woman and not a female and not a male, but a human who has a little bit of all of that within themselves. So this is an age where we are, and you can see it in our culture, how much there is about people, women being with women, or men being with men, or people being transgendered or transsex or whatever. This is what that age is, but what it represents is for what do we have the generative process, meaning as co-creators, not just of making children but of anything, it is a godly act. So we're in that stage. Within the next 200 years, though it could happen sooner, we, our elevator of humanity, gets to the bottom floor, the bottom of the tree of life, and that's called Malchut, which means our sovereignty or our kingdom, and it's our physical earth. So it's only appropriate that we see now such um, trouble for the earth because we're moving into that eventual place of unity consciousness where our earth will really be restored and elevated. My guest today is Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, and she is the author of Sanctuary of Divine Presence, Hebraic Teachings on Initiation and Illumination, written in the book, We Are One World, Consisting of Many Nations and People, Having a Shared Relationship in Time and Space When We Incarnate. There are groups of souls from century to century who incarnate together. One time, one will be the aggressor, another time the victim. We cannot know the depth of the complexity of the balancing and rebalancing that takes place throughout our many lifetimes, but we do know that all of it eventually leads to completion of the human soul's journey of becoming godlike. Again, this is from Sanctuary of the Divine Presence. You can find out more at ZoharaOnline.com. That's Z-O-H-A-R-A-Online.com. Or you can check out her other site, Ruscom.org, R-U-S-C-O-M-B.org. We'll be right back with Dr. Zohara. This is the 7th Wave Channel. 
on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. In these changing times, the journey toward global consciousness has never been more important. Gaim TV is the first online video library dedicated to support your journey toward global and personal discovery. Our viewers enjoy unlimited access to our vast selection of inspiring interviews, engaging films, and award-winning wellness videos. And we invite you to try it for free. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to start your free trial. The journey starts now. That's G-A-I-A-M-TV.com. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. Progressing from a feeling regarding a need for one's own repair and change to declaring one's love to crying in joy at the experience of oneness, we shift slightly into the feeling of gratitude, giving thanks for what we receive, declaring God sovereign over all things, all time, all nations. Herein, the truth is sung out, radiating thanks and joy. If we allow ourselves to really feel this sequence of emotions, we will experience in prayer the same sequence. If we trace the middle path in our ascension of the ladder of light, we go from inward repentance to declared adoration to radiant gratitude and joy. Each stage represents a development in prayer and in the process of our own self-refinement. Emulating this progression of feelings furthers our own spiritual development. This is from Sanctuary of the Divine Presence by Dr. Zohara Hieronymus, who is my guest today. We were uh, continuing a conversation uh, in regard to people understanding the, the term Kabbalistic. And one thing I want to talk about is how the symbols of the Kabbalah also have a numerological symbolism, because that's always been something very interesting to me. And that is just another way of expressing the power and meaning of what's trying to be to given over. Well, firstly, Kabbalah means received tradition. And so for centuries it was an oral tradition until it was finally written down. Um, well, it's debatable as to who wrote it down first, but at least in the second century, um, Rabbi Akiva wrote it down, having received the tradition. But it's been taught for centuries, and in this book what's interesting is that there's a teaching in um, Judaism that there are ten particular texts, some have called them the Ten Songs of Creation. And so the story that's told in this book of the Hebrew tradition of the tabernacle is done through the lens of history, but it's done in reverse chronological order so that we can learn how to climb the ladder of light, meaning each, I don't want to get too abstract, but each life is preparation for the moment of death. And at the moment of death, we climb this ladder of light. So if we practice using this ladder of light, which is reflected in our anatomy and in our emotional and intellectual makeup, when we come to our moment of leaving our body, we are awake and we are able to ascend without difficulty. And most of the traditions of the world have whole disciplines about this, and certainly we've heard of this. 
but it exists in Judaism as well. It's just not spoken of very often. But if you analyze even how we live our lives and what we do when a body dies, in Judaism it's the same rituals as the priests went through inside the tabernacle tradition. We even dress in Judaism the deceased person in the exact same garb that the priests were dressed in when they would go into the Holy of Holies, which was linen pants, a linen top, a little hat, a little linen belt, no fasteners, no zippers, no Velcro, no, no buttons, no nothing. That's how in Judaism today a man and a woman are dressed for burial, and they are prayed over, meaning I don't want to go into that any further other than to say that our life really is a process of a sacred tabernacle. And in this book, what I've shared are these ten different um, episodes in the Hebrews tradition that represent their experience of coming down the tree of life. So that's why this book can be read backwards and forwards, because first it's told in reverse chronological order, and then to read it in biblical chronology, you have to read it from the backwards forward. So, for instance, the very first chapter just talks about Malchut, which is the foundation. We're not there yet. We haven't come to that yet as a humanity, which is when we make the world sovereign and when we appreciate the sovereignty of each human. But for now, that's represented by each one of us and the prayers we do. And then the second text in the Torah is King Solomon's Song of Songs, and that's when he built the temple. So that it's talking about first we pray, and then we construct our temple of our life. We make our life the holy temple. And then, historically, we meet up with King David, and this represents a sephirot called Hod, which is humility. And he was singing the song when it was delivered by God from Saul, who was the king that was trying to kill him. And we learn then, so what do we do? First we pray, then we build our temple, we make a commitment, we have a covenant, and then we learn humility. That's what David did. Then we get the prophetess Hannah song, and you'll notice these songs are all by the prophets and prophetesses, and these are called the Ten Songs of Creation, which reflect the Ten Sephirot of the Tree of Life. So, And you were telling me on commercial break that this book was written really told through the lens of these prophets and prophetesses. Exactly. The, the book is a combination of about ten very primary hermetic teachings in Judaism. One is the tree of life. The next is that our soul has five components, and that corresponds to the five components of the tabernacle tradition. Another are these ten songs of creation, which were really the songs by the prophets and prophetesses, and a few by the people collectively themselves. And then there's another layer about the rituals and what those correspond to. There's the emotions and different qualities, as well as, as you talked about, these five stages of our soul path of initiation, consecration, elevation, illumination, and revelation. So after David teaches us humility, the prophetess Hannah teaches us spiritual endurance. She was the one that prayed and prayed and prayed to God for a child, and finally at a very old age had the prophet Samuel. Devorah, who was the great prophetess warrior and judge, is really the middle of the tree of life. And this tells us that after we have done our prayers, after we make our life a holy place, after we learn humility, after we learn endurance, meaning to stay at it, to keep doing what we need to do, we can learn about truth and justice and balance. And then, so I don't know how many people in your audience are familiar with biblical history, but we're going in reverse order in biblical history. We're going to end up with Adam and Eve just after they get expelled from the garden. So then there's Joshua, who stopped the sun and the moon with the help of God, and he teaches us how to use our sword of discrimination, our left hand, how to make judgments about what to do, how to do it, who to give to, how much to give. Then there was Moses' song. At the end of his life, he retells the entire Hebrew Bible story, and that's loving-kindness. And then above them is another sephira called Bina, which is, again, mother or understanding. And this is when the people sang to the well together. And for those that may not remember, this is after Miriam, the prophetess, has died, after they've crossed the Red Sea. They have no water. And the only way they could have water restored was when they all prayed together. And I think this is a metaphor and instruction for today's world, for the mother, for the earth, for our own understanding of women, is that we're to pray together. We're to come together for the waters of the earth, which is really for our, our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, and the physical well-being of the planet. 
And then above that was when the Hebrews crossed the Red Sea, and they sing their song at the sea. It's really telling us that when we can cast away our doubt, when we have total faith in divinity, we can cross over the waters. We can go between anything, and we can defy what we think of as being logical. For the Hebrews, it was moving into the Red Sea when the Egyptians were chasing them, and they all thought they would drown. Moses waves his wand, as he's told to by God, and they cross through. So that tells us when we part our emotions and our intellect, when we can let go of our rational thinking and reach a higher space of divine intuition, we can do anything. And then finally, I know this is a ton of information. I don't expect anybody to remember any of it. Sometimes just hearing it is a good way to get a jump start. We end with Adam and Eve just after they're expelled from the garden, and they recognize that where they were was holy and that they had had everything. But because they said that they weren't at first responsible for doing what they were told not to do, it's really a description of our use of free will. And that's the beauty of the human experiment. We're all free will beings, and that's the spiritual journey, is to use our free will in a holy way, in a sanctified way, for the benefit of all. And that's what Adam understood when he left the garden, and that's where we all end up on the day we cross over at our death. We stand on the edge of Eden. We look back at our life and see the bounties we were given, the mistakes that we made. And this is why daily review, monthly review, yearly review is so helpful for each person. And when you have a family member who loses that capacity for memory, tell them the stories. And even if they don't remember, it's important because the soul knows. It's already in their bones. My guest today is Dr. Zahara Hieronymus, and she has written The Sanctuary of Divine Presence. She is an award-winning radio broadcaster, social justice and environmental activist, and professional speaker, also the author of Kabbalistic Teachings of the Female Prophets. She is releasing in 2013 The Future of Human Experience, The Sacred at the Sanctuary of Divine Presence is a wonderful text taking you through. It is a curriculum, and it really helps to guide you so that you have the teachings on how to move through initiation and illumination. It puts you through uh, a, a wonderful chapter in prayer. It takes you into opening the heart and how to move through all of the rituals and different aspects of the illumination process. If you'd like to find out more, you can go to zoharaonline.com, or you can also go to Ruscom.org, R-U-S-C-O-M-B.org. We'll be right back with Zahara Hieronymus. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Have you seen 1111? Do you wonder why certain numbers keep showing up in your life? 11, 111, 22, 33, 444. People all over the world are seeing 1111 and learning the language of universal communication. Subscribe to 1111 Magazine today. www.1111mag.com 1111 Magazine is a bi-monthly print publication that offers a rich, multi-sensory experience. As you engage with experts and topics of consciousness, become enlightened, empowered, and energized so you live a passionate and authentic life of conscious choices. 1111 Magazine, a daily staple for lifting the mindset, discovering the heart, and stepping into conscious living. 1111 Magazine. Order now at www.1111mag.com. 1111mag.com. Every life on Earth has the capability of knowing the world in a much more powerful way than what we've settled for. And Gaiam TV is there to support your journey in knowledge, awareness, and awakening. Our vision is to raise global consciousness by bringing viewers original interviews, inspiring films, and engaging series on today's most sought-after topics. We invite you to try Gaiam TV free for 10 days. Visit www.gaiamtv.com to claim your free trial. You won't look at your life and your world the same way again. That's G-A-I-A-M-T-V dot com. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
listening to 1111 Talk Radio. If you'd like to join today's discussion, please call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5795. Again, 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to info at believesc.com. Now back to 1111 Talk Radio with Simran Singh. The only place is concealed by a special barrier called the curtain of testimony. The mind and heart are similarly concealed by the body in which they are hidden. By taking care that everything we do is done with careful attention and intention, the way the high priest goes about his specific duties in the holy place, we can elevate anything we take part in, raise it up, and present this as an offering. In the same way, the mind and heart are revealed through our proper actions. In this way... When we keep the lamp of our devotion alive in our hearts, we come into the holy place of the sanctuary of our being. Dr. Zahara, I'd like to talk a little bit about the heart in regard especially to the prayer. There's a large section in here on prayer and how that is so much a part of us in this whole ascension process. Yet so many people are walking around with closed hearts or dull hearts or not quite sure how to even get into their hearts. Talk a little bit about that so that prayer is actually effective. Well, you know, Solomon, King Solomon asked, you know, where is wisdom housed? Is it in the head or the heart? And what we know is the heart as a physical organ is one thing. The heart as a spiritual consciousness is another. So what I'm speaking of is the spiritual consciousness of the heart, which is that part of us which is the voice of divinity. And all of us feel it. It's, it's, it's when you see something beautiful and you get the sense of awe. Or when you see a baby and you naturally just smile at the sheer presence. You know, the, the thing about the heart and the heart of humanity is that it's where we all share in the living waters. If we think about the fact that our bodies are mostly water, you know, it's the circulatory system of the world is our rivers and our oceans. We have the same thing in our own life. When we speak from our heart, most people say, well, I can't do that publicly. Well, right, sometimes it's a very private thing. The beauty of prayer is that it's each person's opportunity to speak truthfully about how they feel, what it is they need, what they hope to bless. The power of speaking is a creative process. That's why I mentioned earlier Adam was considered the first Kabbalist, the first in the received tradition because he could see the purpose of each animal. So when he spoke the name wolf, or whatever it was in Hebrew, or the bird, Sephora, these Hebrew letters were actually vessels for the light to fill. And so they then had an action based on their composition. Aleph in Hebrew is a four-limbed being. It can do many things that the letter bait, the next letter can't do, which is a container. So when we speak our prayers, we're literally creating like a baker's mold, these vessels for our will and our intention to fill. Prayer is a creative process. So when we pray, it's an interesting thing. The secret of prayer in the Jewish tradition, which we learn from the Khan of the prophetess, is first we praise the creator, then we petition for whatever it is, the welfare of the world, the healing of a child, a job for our husband, and then we thank the Creator for having been done. I once interviewed Greg Braden, who talked to me about a journey he had with um, an Indian um, chief who was going to show him a rain dance. And they went on a long hike and a long walk, and Greg yeah. had to see this long ritual, and instead the, the chief danced around, did a few things, and said, okay, let's go get lunch. <laughs> yeah. The purpose of Greg telling me the story and my sharing it with you is that what this chief was telling him, or maybe it was an, a shaman, I can't remember, I think it was an American chief, he said that when you pray for something, you feel it. You feel the rain on your skin. You smell the rain. You see the earth benefiting. Prayer is the same way. That's why in the Hebrew tradition, when we pray, we speak our prayers out loud. We don't just think them in our head. We speak them because the speaking human is the power the human has. So our voice and our words are vessels that get animated by spirit when we construct them with good intention and reverence. That's why it's important to use good language and not foul language, and why one elevates and the other doesn't. So prayer is the way we can execute our will into the immaterial world and give it wings. When we pray as a group, we give it more wings. And the interesting thing about prayer, the Spindrift Institute, as Bill Sweet will tell you, 
founded by Christian Science father and son, the Kling Biles, um, found that prayer is most effective when we simply ask for divine will to be done, when divine order to be restored. So rather than may my husband get a job, the prayer would be, Dear Lord, my husband's in need, please bring him divine right order. When you say something about the healing of a loved one, it's not to picture the arm that's broken. You don't say, Dear Lord, please make the arm not broken. A more effective prayer is, Dear Lord, please restore divine right order to my niece Karen. So these are secrets about prayer. So together, when we shape a prayer and when we allow ourselves to feel the bounty of our hearts and how joyous they naturally are and we come into rapport with all of life because our hearts are actually constantly emanating an energy field so anytime we come within five feet of somebody we're already entering their heart field so all of us are connected planet-wide so when any one person hurts we all hurt when any one person has an accomplishment, we all benefit. So I'd like to close by just saying the whole reason I wrote this book is that it's my belief peace in the world has to come as a result of peace within and that each human being is responsible for mastering themselves, meaning to become holy beings, to sanctify what we do, to consecrate our daily work, to make the meals healthy, to make sure the earth stays rich and pure. And all of these are collectively the work that we do to refine the world. The human, according to the Jewish tradition, is the only being that combines good and evil or the positive and the negative, the male and the female, and makes them one. So this unification that we are all working on is our divine mandate. No one's going to escape it. It's just a question of how many centuries we want to toil at it and how much destruction we want to create without pausing to realize how stupid it is. So the bottom line is we're each here to master ourselves so that we can each reflect the divinity that we spring from and are composed of. What if more people knew that the greatest pleasure, the one that satisfies every need, is bound up in our ability to make ourselves a vessel for the presence of God to rest in? If the Creator made us out of love, then we must be designed to experience the ultimate pleasure of divine love now on earth. The purpose of Kabbalah is to bring humankind close to God and to our own innate godliness. All of the elements bring each person to his or her divine perfection. This is also the purpose of all of the ancient teachings. For those of us living in the modern era, it provides a detailed description of the rituals and processes that allow each of us to reach this illuminated state of being. You can find out how to have a path to follow and education on the Sanctuary of Design Presence by uh, getting your copy of the book, and you can go to ZaharaOnline.com or Ruscom.org. I want to thank Dr. Zahara Hieronymus for being on 1111 Talk Radio. It's an absolute pleasure. And also let people know that uh, they can check out her other book, Kabbalistic Teachings of the Female Prophets, and look forward to her new book, The Future of Human Experience, coming out in 2013. Thank you so much, Dr. Zahara. Thank you, Simran. And I'd like to have you come back every week right here, and we will have another wonderful guest. Also, join me on Facebook. You can find me at Simran Singh 1111 or at 1111 Magazine. It is always a pleasure. Until next week, I'm Simran Singh. Be well. Thank you for stepping into the doorway of Conscious Choice with 1111 Top Radio. Please join host Simran Singh again next Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time for another enlightening edition here on the 7th Wave Network. Remember, shift happens.